All right. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, week three. It's hard to believe. Um, so I want to jump right in. Last week, uh, Jake reminded us of some of the policies um, that we have in place regarding dating and relationships on summer staff as it relates to your job and the expectations that we have of you here. Um, today, I want to kind of take that and build on that and give you a little bit of why some of those policies we have are in place. But really, more than that, I want to look at kind of a biblical perspective of, of dating and relationships. Um, I think there is a ton of confusion in our culture today about dating and marriage and relationships. And so I want us to look at that. I want to look at what the Bible says. So the, the big question would be, well, what does the Bible say about dating? Anybody know? It doesn't really say anything. So does that mean we just close the book and walk away and we do what we want? Absolutely not. Yes, it's a... Bria, did you say yes? <laughs> no, no, no. Look, here's the deal. While there is relative silence in the Bible about dating as we talk about it today, the Bible, talk, the Bible does talk a lot about and is very clear on marriage. And honestly, I don't think that the, that the confusion that I see in our culture today over dating, I don't think it's due to a lack of, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's due to the Bible's silence on dating as much as it is to a lack of understanding of biblical marriage. I think that our perspective and our view of dating is radically shaped by how we view marriage. And so... It doesn't matter what you think about dating. What, whatever your perspective is on marriage is going to radically define and shape how you view dating. And so today, we're going to spend most of our time talking about marriage, honestly, because number one, that's what the Bible spends more time talking about. And number two, I think that is the greatest informant about what we need to know about dating in our context. So I want to look at two big points that the Bible talks about regarding marriage. The first, and these are, these are going to sound so simple, and they are really simple. But they're, in, they're radical and radically different than the perspective of the majority of our culture today. Number one, marriage is created by God. Marriage is created by God. Could someone please read for me Mark 10, 6 through 9? When you get it, just read it out loud, nice and strong. Mark 10, 6 through 9. beautiful. Jesus here is, is, is teaching about marriage and he says, first of all, he's quoting from Genesis 1 and 2. He says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That's from Genesis 1.27, right? The very first chapter of the Bible. And then he says, therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. Just quoting from Genesis 2.24. And then Jesus says, therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. This is the clearest statement in the Bible that God created marriage, that it is an institution created and designed by God. It is not merely a human doing. In other words, when two people get married, 
It's not merely them making a promise or commitment to each other, but it's literally two people making a covenant and a promise with God. And that's, and that's one reason why divorce is so harmful. It's not just because of the broken relationships it creates, but because people are not only breaking a covenant or a promise with each other, but they're breaking a promise or a covenant with God. And look, I realize potentially half or more of you in this room come from divorced parents, divorced families. And I'm not trying to judge anyone for that. It's, it's a hard reality. But we look, at, we look at our culture and we see there's so much debate right now in our culture about who can get married and who should be able to get married and marriage equality and all. It's like we are trying to define marriage over and over and over again and we don't get to do that. We didn't create marriage. The Bible created marriage, and so only God can, can really define what that is. And, and the, but the, the bigger point in that is the fact that, not the fact that God gets to define it, but the fact that God is the one who created it. He is the one who instituted it. Therefore, it has value, it has worth, it has dignity, it has purpose. And, and ultimately, God is the one who defines that. So God created marriage. The second thing... The primary purpose for marriage is to display God's love. God designed marriage to display His love. Paul makes this point so clearly in Ephesians chapter 5. I need someone else to read uh, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Whenever you get there, just raise your hand or start reading out loud. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. All right, the very first part, she's got a soft, soft voice. Can you, can you read that one more time a little bit louder? I'm sorry, I want everybody to hear this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, is a, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Thank you, Reba. All right, the first part of that we've already read once, right? That's quoting, that's the same passage Jesus quoted in Mark from Genesis 2.24, right? Paul's quoting the same verse when he's, when he's talking about marriage. He's going back to the beginning of creation and acknowledging that God created it. And then he says, this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. In other words, marriage is supposed to be a display of the covenant love between Christ and the bridegroom and his church, the bride. This this clicked for me in a when, when this when I read this passage. You'd think I would have learned this before I was married. I actually was already married, uh, had not been married long. I was actually on a hurricane relief mission trip down on the coast of Mississippi in some old church building, reading that passage of scripture, and it my it just was like this whole new perspective. So I think a lot of times when we think about using things as an illustration, we take things that already exist to try to teach someone something about something, right? And, and I think for the longest time, that's what I thought about marriage. I thought marriage existed for all these, sorry, marriage existed from the beginning of creation. But then here Paul comes along in the New Testament and he's trying to teach people about God's love for his people. And he's like, mm, what can I do? Oh, marriage, that's a great example. You know, husbands and wives, they love each other. And, you know, I'm going to use marriage... Uh, God's love for the church is kind of like the way a marriage should look, right? But that's not what Paul is doing here. 
What Paul is saying here is not, I'm just searching for something that already exists for another purpose to give an illustration. Rather, Paul says, the sole purpose that marriage was created was to display God's love for his people. And that is a radical shift. Here's why. Marriage is not first and foremost about our happiness, our compatibility, our unity, procreation, whatever you... Those are all good and those are all part of marriage. The, ulti- the reason God created marriage is so that the world can have an understanding of His covenant love for His people. And that, that gives a whole new meaning to why husbands and wives should get married and why they should stay married. Do you, I'm, I, I get really excited about this and I hope you feel the weight and how radical this is. It's an incredible responsibility. And so, again, we don't have time to do this this morning, but if you go back and look at other verses in Ephesians chapter 5, 20 through 28 roughly, you see all these descriptions of the ways that a husband and wife should treat each other. And again, that's not just for a happy marriage. That's so that that marriage can display the love of God to the world. It's an incredible responsibility. And, and so... I think when our culture looks at marriage as this, this you know, well, it's fun, or you complete me, or we're compatible, or I'm in love, and like those are, and I'm not, look, I'm not trying to be like cold-hearted and say you should not have affection for your husband or wife, or be, I'm not saying any of that. But, but the, the perspective of marriage flies so in the face of what God's original design for marriage was that we lose sight of that. And therefore, when things don't go right, we just give up and we think, well, just not, you know, we just wasn't meant to be or we just weren't whatever. And it's like, man, that, that is not why, that, that's not why we enter into marriage. And that is, and that is not, um, and in fact, when things get hard in a marriage, how much greater opportunity do we have to not only experience that covenant-keeping love of Jesus between our husband, between husband and wife, but to model that to the world, right? What an incredible opportunity. So application... Um, first of all, because marriage has been so distorted in our culture and in our minds, so many people have an incorrect perception of the gospel. God made a covenant with us and Christ will never leave his bride. Staying married, therefore, is not just about staying in love. It's not just about feeling ushy, gushy, mushy feelings about one another. It's not just about making each other happy. It is about keeping a covenant. It's about keeping a commitment. Um, we say often on our wedding days, or it's common for husband and wife to say, you know, committing to love you until death do us part. Where do you think that language came from? How did Christ ultimately love us? He loved us until death parted us. He, He loved us to death, literally. Right? Christ will not leave his church, and therefore we commit to staying to... Now look, and again, we don't have time to talk about um, these circumstances where there's extreme abuse and neglect and abandonment and things like that, where the Bible Bible, um, speaks to what that can look like and how divorce plays into that. But, But the vast majority of broken marriages are not because of that. It's because of a a lack of commitment to love one another the way that Christ has loved the church. Um, 
Alright, second point is that marriage is optional, right? Uh, we don't have time to talk a ton about it. 1 Corinthians 7, 6-9 through 9 speaks about this. Marriage is a gift. It comes with great responsibility. And we should not just assume that we should get married, right? That it's just our right as followers of Jesus to get married. Um, it's crucial. If you marry someone, you have to marry someone who is on the same page with you regarding marriage. Right? If someone says, you know, don't just listen to their words. Look at the fruit of their life. And, and don't just... Um, it, don't think that, well, you know, someone really isn't pursuing Jesus, but I know that if, if I keep, if I stay with them and I kind of model that, then eventually they'll come around. Why would they change? Right? If you're willing to love them and commit to them where they are, they, they would be afraid to even change. Even if that change means following Christ and committing to Christ the way that you are, because what if you don't love them anymore when they change, right? So marriage is optional. So lastly, I want to spend just five minutes talking about dating. So that's so big picture marriage. Please know that that is the bigger picture of what we're talking about. So what's the biblical purpose for dating? Again, we don't really see this concept of dating as we call it in the Bible. We do see some examples of something that looks more like what we call maybe a courtship. Um, but the, the, the point is, is that dating or courtship or whatever you want to call it is is ultimately the purpose of that is to lead to or pursue marriage. Dating is a means to an end, right? It is not just a recreational activity that we do because it's fun and we enjoy hanging out with someone. So before you ever enter into a dating relationship, some questions that you might ask are, is God calling me to possibly get married one day? Could I see myself marrying someone like this? Do I share the same passions in ministry as this person? And you think, man, like, I just want to go on a date with someone. I don't want to think about marriage. But that's the problem, right? That's, again, that is, is not a biblical perspective on that kind of relationship. And, and I think there's, there's two big dangers with dating. And, and I, I think there's, they're, they're equal in terms of the way we lean there. Number one is taking it too lightly. It's just fun. We're just messing around. We're just going to hang out. We're just going to hook up. We're just gonna, it's like no, no commitment, no big deal. Like it's just fun, right? But that's, but that's not how it works. I mean, there's, there's, there can be so much danger in that because one person might just say, well, I'm just having fun, no commitment. But someone else's heart might be getting torn out because they are being led down a path where they think that there's commitment and love and there's not, right? So it's taking it too lightly. It's not a big deal. We're just hanging out. We're just messing around, right? But the second, the second danger is, is, on the flip side, is taking it too seriously, right? It's, it's acting as if you're married when you're just dating, right? We see this all the time in our culture today, right? We see people just choosing to live together and just live as if they're married, but they're not married. But here's the deal. It doesn't, when I'm saying taking it too seriously, it doesn't just mean living together or sleeping together. There can be a level of spiritual and, and emotional intimacy that can be created between a couple that is at the level of marriage. And that's incredibly dangerous when there is no marriage covenant there. And you might say, well, we need to know if we're compatible. We've got to spend a lot of time together. <laughs> being married is not about being compatible. Being married is about making a commitment. There's always risk in pursuing someone towards marriage. You will never know if you are 100% compatible with someone. You can date someone for 10 years, but the moment you get married, things change. 
And so this idea of we've got to get more and more intimate and more and more close to figure out if we can really make it together, like that's, that's, that's false. There's always risk in choosing to marry someone. And so, and the last thing I'll say too with this, this is not just a problem outside of the church, right? We as Christians, we, and sometimes it's amplified because we just, we like kind of like what Jake talked about last week is we don't call it what it is. We just kind of flirt and play. It's always oh, no big deal. We're just, we're just hanging out. It's no big deal, right? It is a big deal. Or we, we enter into this like super deep, serious, intimate relationship with someone that can be really harmful. Um, and that can and that can create these deep bonds that if they get broken are going to pull part of you away. And I'm look. All right, let me. I don't, all right, I got to wrap up. Um, practical applications. Um, if you are single and you find yourself thinking thoughts like "I really need a girlfriend" or "I wish that a guy," you know, "I wish I had a boyfriend" or whatever, it's not. It's not wrong to desire to be in a relationship with someone or to, to desire to get married. But you need to make sure that your motives are in the right place. Is, is, is this longing and desire to fulfill this, any kind of insecurity that you have or any kind of need that you feel like that is not being met by Christ? And I just want to encourage you that Christ is, um, is enough. And, that, and I, look, I've been married for 13 years. Yes, 13 years. My wife cannot give me ultimately what I need. My wife is ultimately not satisfying to me. And I'm not trying to downgrade my I love my wife. I love being with her. She's very satisfying to me. But here's the deal. Only Christ can really give what my heart truly longs for. And so you've got to make sure that your heart is there first. Secondly, don't waste time with someone you know is not right and is pursuing Christ. No isn't pursuing Christ. Um, check your motives. said that. Um... In order to prevent too great a level of intimacy that can be that can be harmful and confusing, spend more time in groups than you do alone. And I'm not saying never pair off. I'm not saying you should never go on a one-on-one date. I'm just saying maybe make the norm that you're with groups, right? That's radical, right? That's, that's weird. But here's the deal. Following Christ is not always normal. It doesn't always look like the rest of our culture. Um, and lastly, I would say this, knowing that loving someone, first and foremost, is a commitment and not just feelings. Right? It's first and foremost a commitment and not just feelings. Man, I, I know this is a huge topic and I just flew over this really quickly. We've got to be done this morning. I would personally be happy to talk to any of you more about this or dialogue with you in a group. Um, my wife and I would be t- happy to talk more with you about it. So please know this is not a closed conversation, uh, but I wanted to at least give you guys that perspective to start with. Um, so I'm done. If there's any other announcements, just meet in your groups. All right. Meet in your construction groups for the day.